0: Bring it, bring it, bring it Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. This is the beginning of our series of vignettes where we'll be having all of our representatives throughout the season on to discuss how their clubs did this season. Up first we have Dan from Baggies Facts talking about how West Bromwich Albion performed this season. Alright, first off, Dan, what's your impression of Albion's season this year?
1: It's been, it's been very up and down um, mainly down thanks to Alan Irvine and mainly up thanks to uh thanks to our savior um Tony Pulis. no it wasn't quite that simple um he had a tough job on his hands Irvine first premier league job um working at a club like ourselves where he wouldn't have full ownership of, of what goes on behind the scenes um which many would think would would be to his advantage um but it probably turns out that he, you know, he didn't have the whole, the altogether say on on the signings that we did bring in in the summer. Um, he did his best. Uh, he he tried to play the right way. We got a few decent results under him. Um, a decent, a decent couple of results uh, against. Uh, we we beat Burnley four um, nil. Was probably the standout result for him. He just. I don't think he was up to the standard, and and unfortunately, many people could see that um, he was one of those where the the players all really liked him and and got on with him, and you know it, it was it was good from that point of view, and he had the backing of the squad. I don't think he really lost the dressing room, um, but I think my concern at the time, just before he did get the sack, was do I really want a manager that you know is seemingly too too pally pally with the players and, and too maybe friendly and putting their arm around them too much you know um whereas pulis absolutely has you know the, the right sort of affecting that sort of area he, he'll know when to put his arm around a player and he'll certainly know when to give a player a bit of a bollocking to be honest so um having brought in pulis when we were i think we were one point clear of the relegation zone after 19 games um, and then we played a game with our, our caretaker team. Pulis came in, brought in his own backroom staff. Um, the club had a bit of a shake-up. He was announced as a head coach, but he's been more of a manager, and going forward, he's going to be more of a manager than any of our previous head coaches have. Um, he's had, a, he's had a, a brilliantly positive effect. Seven Premier League wins. I think we've picked up 26 points from 18 games, an average points total of 1.44, I think, it is points per game which would take us up to about ninth place if he'd have had the full season with the club. So that shows the, the sort of level that Tony Pulis can bring without having really much of a say in the squad. He's signed two players in January, the rest were players he's picked up. Um, so I'm I'm very hopeful going forward that that of course Pulis can be the man um, to take us on to bigger and better things and, and there has been talk that he wants to take us to a cup final and he'd love to get the club into Europe and these are bold statements but you know if if he's going to be saying that and he believes he can do that if we can get in the right players then who knows what can happen of course I've been a baggy fan I'm realistic I'm happy for us to keep our Premier League status year in year out because that is an achievement in, in this, you know, money-driven football world that we all live in. It is so tight up there. And and, and to be able to keep your club 17th or above is, is still an achievement for a club of our size. But it would be great to, to have maybe a season in Europe or get to a cup final or do something a bit different, you know, to something a bit special. Um and I think Pulis can bring that. Um since he's been at a club, he's steadied he's steadied things up completely. I mean you know, in in terms of our defensive record, he's contributed towards the 16 clean sheets that we've had this season, which is the second best in the league behind Chelsea. Um, and you you know, sp- speaking to a fan of any other Premier League club, you probably wouldn't have imagined that Albion would be second in terms of um, clean sheets for a season, mm. which is a phenomenal achievement, really. Um, and add to that the fact that we've had our first choice keeper out for for the main part of the, the last bit of the season. Um we've had to chop a change at the back. We've had Jonas Olsen out injured for a lot of the uh, a lot of the a lot of the season too Um and so the the achievement really, although Baggy's fans some of them complain that we are slightly too defensive at times, um the the achievement of getting forty four points and finishing thirteenth is, is fantastic really, um considering where we were when Tony Peluse took over
0: yeah we were going to ask you about the manager, but obviously he played such a large factor in your season that that
1: has already been
0: addressed
1: um yeah so moving... he's, he's hmm? been he's been fantastic kev I mean, just just to add really there's like I said there's a lot of Albion fans out there who, who are unsure whether he's the man to take us forward um who are pointing to a a couple of abject displays which you're gonna get anyway um and they're pointing to to the fact that we're too defensive well um He's basically done what he's had to do to keep the team in the Premier League and next season is his chance to implement some style and implement a bit of attacking flair on the wings and, and to score more goals and have opportunities to bring in his own players that you know, play the way he wants to. Um, and so I don't think you can judge Tony Pierce on performances, only results this season. If you want to talk about performances, we'll look at towards, um, towards next season.
0: Yeah, you kind of mentioned play style there. Do you think you'll you'll see him play more like he did at Crystal Palace, which was a bit more open, or more like he's he's done at Stoke in the past, which was more based on kind of size and set pieces in defense?
1: In all honesty, I think it'll be a mixture of the two, um, and it'll be each individual game will be will be took differently. I mean, um, it's rare that we've had a lot of possession in any game under Tony Pulis. Um First and foremost, we've we've had. Two banks of four. Well, often a, a bank of four and and then five players with with one of the more attacking options sitting in as well. It's it's been like that this season for, for since Poulos took over. But um, you know you, you can understand why because we haven't really got the attacking flair on the wings. We've had McManaman, but he's been injured and unfit for a lot of uh, the season. And unfortunately, he's Cessignon. He's a fantastic player when he's on it, you know. When he's on it, he's he's up there with the best in the league. I know that's, you know, that's not an exaggeration. He's fantastic, but unfortunately, we only get that maybe one or six, one out of five or six games. And, um, you know, it it has been tough to to see our attacking attacking intent, maybe. But you know, we've done what we've, you know, we've scored goals from from free kick situations, from corner situations. Um, from some good counter-attacking football um, with Saido Berahino, and I think next season we we have to aim towards um, just being a bit a bit more. I mean, we we have been pragmatic, but we a bit more pragmatic and a bit more open um, to getting the ball down the lines and getting the ball forward quick. I don't think we're going to see a team that's pass 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 pass. You know, it, it, it's it's going to be a team that utilises the ball well when they've got it and a team that defends well. And I think that's what Tony Pulis does well. And maybe we will have times where we're on top in games, but it's not gonna be something we're gonna see week in, week out. Um, and I don't think it's a problem. If, if we've got a couple of pacey wingers, you know, doing doing some some fancy footwork up the wings and, and crossing balls in and delivering for, for possibly a couple of new strikers. That, that that's fantastic. If it gets us up the league and it gets us winning games, then then it, it's good. But like I say, I don't think we're going to be. Um, I don't think we're going to be swapping any attacking f- flair for for maybe defensive. I, we, we still need to set up solidly at the back in order to achieve anything next season.
0: Yeah, you mentioned uh, player acquisition and stuff in there about the players he'd like to bring in or the players you'd like to see brought in. Uh, what would you say are your biggest needs and, and are there any particular players you're looking at?
1: Um, there's been talk of a few players, but but you, you never know what to believe, especially, especially at this stage. Um, there's, there's a long way to go during the summer and a, a lot of things can happen. Um, in terms of position-wise... We're going to need two new left-backs because Pocagnoli and Davidson haven't been favoured. We've had Chris Brunt playing there. We've had Jolie and Lescott playing there. They're both not left-backs. Although Brunt would be a fantastic backup, um he, he's not a first-choice left-back. So we need that addressing. In terms of the right-back slot, um, Wisdom will be going back to Liverpool. Um, and we've had Craig Dawson playing there. Now, Craig Dawson's adapted to a right-back role to a degree where you wouldn't mind him being first-choice right-back. He's He's been fantastic, really, for us, Craig Dawson, a bit of an unsung hero. Um, he is primarily a, a centre-back, though, um, so maybe at least one new right-back coming in. Um, in terms of midfield, we're likely to see some players leave. Uh, with Malumbu has talked of whether he's going to be staying or going. Um We've got Chris Baird who plays in midfield occasionally. He'll probably be on his way. Um, so so maybe an, another central midfielder to join Fletcher and, and, and Jacob and Morrison. We've, with Dorans, of course, um, out on alone at the moment, probably staying um, at Norwich. So we're going to need to strengthen those areas. Um, in terms of wingers, Sessignon, who can play on the wing, will probably be on his way too. Um, and Manaman who's done a, who's done superbly when he's had opportunity, but the lack of opportunity due to him being injured means he hasn't been able to showcase his talents as much as we'd have liked to have seen. So um, maybe one or two wingers, and then of course depending on Berahino, Idaye, uh, and Etcheb, there's potential for all three of them to be leaving in the summer. Um, and Etcheb is probably the, the most favourite to be on his way out, um, followed by Aidei And we, you know, I've said many. Times on this podcast, I've I've moaned about Berahino and and you, you know, he's not off the field. He's he's misbehaved far too many times. Yeah. Um, comments coming from his agent, which is the same agent as Sterling's, believe it or not. Um, so you can just imagine that the battle West Bromwich Albion have had with him in order to keep Sido happy, and you can understand there'd been mootings of him wanting to leave with, with his agent being who he is and, and the, the affair that's has been kicked up with um, with Sterling. Um, I'd be happy for him to stay and I'd be equally happy for him to leave as long as it was to a top four club or to a big club in Europe. I wouldn't want him going um, to a more middle of the road club and no offence to yourself but, but like a Tottenham or an Everton or even a Liverpool, if he's going to go I think maybe an Arsenal or or a Man City would be, probably be the the best destination for him because he is that good. Um, but but the issue is is he that good to to be in a team of that straight away? Um, and does he need maybe six or twelve months more at the baggies? I'd say that in terms of his development, if you ignore the money and ignore the chance that he'll have for him to stay at the baggies for another season, would aid his career and his England chances you know, tenfold. If he can score 20 goals again for us next season and, and then go on to bigger things, I think that's probably the ideal situation with, with Berahino.
0: All right, fair enough. And which players would you say were your player and young player of the season?
1: I think you, it'd be hard to look past Berahino, really, for both words. Um The player that bagged the supporters, um, the, the official supporters group, Um, award in the week was Jolion Lescott and he's been a massive contributor towards the 16 clean sheets. Um, From his first game at Tottenham um, where where we bagged our first win of the season he's been absolutely colossal for us at the back. There's there's rarely a point throughout the season where I can say he's been at fault really for for anything personally. Um, He's just reads the game so well um, he's comfortable with the ball at his feet. He's just pretty much a, a you know a, a superb, solid centre back, and hopefully, um, hopefully, you know we can keep him happy going forward, and he'll be with us for another couple of years or or as long as his legs will um, allow him to keep playing Premier League football. Um, for the young player of the year, it'd have to be Berahino. Um, Twenty goals in the, in the season across all competitions. An England call up. He's going to be going to the under twenty ones in Europe, and I think he's going to, you know, he's going to score a few goals for for them. Um, he's just a fantastic player. If you if were to look at his finishes, the amount of times he just gets that ball on the edge of a box and curls it in the top corner or the bottom corner, it's just technique and absolutely years and years of practice. And you know, he, he's going to be a fantastic player in, in years to come. Um, Having seen Lukaku Lukaku and and Berahino both playing for the club, I'd probably have to say that in terms of all-round play, that Berahino is the better player Um, and he can score goals for for pretty much any club and I I think he will have a a massive career ahead of him.
0: All right, and looking forward to next season, what do you think your
1: targets and objectives will be? It has to be... If if the baggage fans are listening to this, they'll probably disagree, but it has to be first and foremost, staying in the Premier League. Um, objectives are keeping, especially when it comes to the season after next, being the first season of that ridiculously large TV deal kicking in, we have to make sure we're a Premier League club this time next year. Um, no doubt the club will have ambitions to, to, to try and get to that mid-table positions and and to maybe get a cup run and and you know do something magical it, it's been proven that clubs our size this season can do some terrific things If you look at Swansea Stoke have been terrific West Ham for a lot of the season have been up there and of course Southampton, Southampton aren't a bigger club than us so you know who who knows what can happen um I'll enjoy the season, no doubt, and, and, and get behind the lads. And if we can do something special, that would be great. But it has to be staying in the Premier League. That has to be the goal. All right. And then any other things you want to share before you really head out of here? Just, just what a, a fantastic stat that I've just tweeted out. Chris Brunt, 34 assists since 2010-11, two, um, maligned by many Baggies fans, has been fantastic this second half of the season. Um in, in a role at left-back as well, which he's not used to playing. Um, he's up to 10 assists for the season, which I think he's joint third in the Premier League. Um, and considering we haven't even scored that many goals, I think we've scored 38 goals, which is a goal a game. Um, credit to Chris Brunt, um, model professional. He had the captaincy took off in when Fletcher joined, who who himself has been a brilliant Darren Fletcher um, but for him to continue in, in the way he has this season, it's just superb. Um, and, and like I say, just to mention for Darren Fletcher, who's been signing of the season for probably any club in the Premier League during January. Um, he's just been fantastic. A leader on and off the field. And you hear stories of him, him spending time with fans after games and at the disabled supporters um, do the, the other week. He, he spent a lot of time with all the fans. And just... just a, a brilliant, fantastic guy on and off the field. Um and it's a such a huge coup for him for us to have to have got him and we would probably wouldn't have signed him if it hadn't have been for Pulis. So um just I'm just pleased that we've got to the end of the season. We're thirteenth. Happy days. Um cheers for having me on for for the on the podcast for the season. I've enjoyed it immensely and look forward to next season.
0: Alright up next we have Jamie from No Name Never Net. Jamie, what have you made of your season?
2: It's been strange, really. It's been difficult to sum up. At times, it looked like we were going to stay up, but ultimately, I just don't think we quite had enough. I think the key games, we we didn't really have the confidence to go out and win, and the big games at Turf Moor, we didn't do enough. The decisions that didn't go our way, I suppose all Premier League teams can mention those, and talk about points that they should have had but I'm disappointed on the whole but we didn't really disgrace ourselves and I think we we're in reasonable shape to come back I just hope that we make a better fist of it if we do
0: yeah obviously we, we mentioned a few times on the pod uh, especially some of the non burnley guys even that keeping Dyche was an excellent choice because it leaves you in better position for next season for, for a challenge to come back up to the Premier League would you
2: agree with that assessment and how happy have you been with Deich's performance this season I think it's... it's Firstly, you've got to remember that he's still quite inexperienced. I think last season was his his second full season as a manager. And this is obviously his first time in the Premier League. So he, he's obviously learned a lot. And I think everyone at the club has. Um, but I do think there's there's areas of weakness there that have been highlighted by the Premier League, if that's fair. I think he's, he's quite... Um, unadaptable, whatever the opposite of adaptable is. I think he, he picks the same team and the same tactics every week and Premier League managers, if they know what they're going to be facing, will be able to combat that. Also, he's been quite inflexible during games. I think Palace at home was a very good example when a, an, an opposing manager did something tactically that Dash just didn't seem to, to get to grips with. I think in the Premier League, you do have to be able to react to what's going on and move players around and and try something different. Whereas we played pretty much the same way for 90 minutes every game. And I think that we probably just got a bit worked out and we got away with it last season because, partly because I think you play 46 games and you play twice every week sometimes and there's there's just not enough time to prepare individual tactics. But I think in the Premier League, it's a bit more specialised in that area. Um, But... I still think he's done about as well as could be expected with the players available. Um, in terms of spending, we spent very little compared to most Premier League teams, although Dash has to take partly responsibility for the, the failure of the transfer strategy as well. So it's been a mixed bag, really, but I think he's still a very talented, promising manager and I think he will go a long way. Just like the players, I don't think he was quite cut out for the Premier League this year. Yeah, Speaking of the players,
0: who would you say was your player and young player of the year for your club?
2: There's a a few strong contenders, I think, for player of the year. Uh, Mostly defenders, which you wouldn't normally expect from a team at the bottom, but scoring goals was our problem. I think you can make a very good case for Tom Heaton, who, in my view, fully deserves a chance to play for England in the next couple of weeks. I'm so pleased for him. Ten clean sheets is fantastic for a club that finished in the bottom three i think that puts him in the top 10 goalkeepers in the league in terms of clean sheets off and that was fantastic danny means you've got to mention he scored 11 goals would probably be relegated a long time ago if it wasn't for his goals but my pick is jason shackle i think he's he's very consistent at the back you know exactly what you're going to get he's a brilliant leader on the field and i just hope we can keep holding because he's going into the last year of his contract and he has moved around quite a lot throughout his career, so hopefully his agent's not in his ear saying you get one big payday if you move at this age. So I think he's 31 now, so he's coming towards the end of his career. In terms of young player, to be honest, there isn't an awful lot of composition. Our squad is quite old. Um, it depends where you want to draw the line for young player, really. I suppose the obvious candidate is Ings, which is it's strange to give him a young player award when he's. Um, been in the team for so long, I suppose, but he's still only 22, and like I say, 11 goals was a very good achievement for a player in a struggling team. He had a difficult spring, and I think the transfer speculation did start to distract him at one point, certainly ahead of the the away game at Sunderland, where he'd gone to Spain, apparently, to talk to David Moyes, um, which was probably ill-advised. Ahead of a really important game. And I think his head maybe got turned at that point. But at the end of the season, he's come back strongly. He's scored two winning goals in our last three games. It's just a bit of a shame it's been too, old, too late.
0: Yeah, obviously there's going to be a lot of player movement with some players maybe going to other lower-level Premier League clubs and some sticking with you going down. Do you have any idea which those players will be and, and which players you might try to bring in to fill those
2: holes? Well, a- Ains is obviously going to go, I think... Um, Liverpool seems like the most likely destination for him at the moment. I think that would be a reasonably good fit, although they do seem a bit in flux and they might even get rid of Rodgers. So a lot remains to be seen. Um Shack already mentioned, could be targeted, particularly by Bournemouth, I think. Eddie Howe, their manager, tried to sign him for Burnley two summers in a row, so he's obviously a fan. Kieran Trippier, I've not mentioned yet, has been excellent again this season. Very consistent, very good attacking right-back. I think he'd be a very good signing for anyone in the bottom half of the Premier League, maybe even mid-table sides. I think um, it's been rumoured that he's got a release clause of about £3.5 million as well, which would be an absolute bargain, I think, for a team like Stoke. I think he could improve a team like Stoke and give them another option. Um, I think apart from that, we'll probably be OK. George Boyd, maybe. A team near the bottom might take a punt on him. But I think this season's proved that he's one of these players who's probably too good for the championship not quite good enough for the Premier League he's in that little bracket so I think apart from those four I think we'll probably be alright Tom Heaton you would think would be targeted but he's he's based in the area he's family of Burnley fans he seems pretty settled so I think we'll keep hold of him quite easily in terms of players that we target I've really got no idea Dash isn't sort of manager to talk about players that are at other clubs I think it'll probably be players that we, we wouldn't even think of I'd like to see us bringing someone quick I pace is a real problem throughout the squad. Um, we obviously need a replacement of Danny Ings. That's going to be the main area we have to improve this summer because we didn't score enough goals this season and our leading scorer is going. Also, in um, our last game of the season, the win at Villa, Ashley Barnes got what looked like, could be a very serious knee injury. So if he's going to be out long-term, we suddenly look quite thin on the ground up front. We'd only have Volks, Jukovic and Sordell and they didn't score any league goals at all between them this season. So that's obviously a problem. Um, but apart from that, I think we're in pretty good shape. It's mostly the same players that came up two years ago. and We've added a bit more experience, a bit more quality in some areas. So if Dash stays, if most of the, the star players stay, I think we've got a pretty good chance of, of coming back up next season. But the championship's so unpredictable, it's difficult to, to make any predictions at this stage.
0: Yeah, you mentioned it might be hard to come back up, but would you expect that to be your objective next season, or do you think they'll just be kind of hoping for a pretty solid finish in the championship?
2: I would hope that's the objective, yeah. I mean, a lot of Burnley fans still talk about is punching above our weight, which is a phrase I absolutely hate anyway, but this is the second time we've been in the Premier League in the last five years or so. it's absolute nonsense to suggest that we don't belong there and we don't have the chance to become an established club. I think clubs like Swansea are a very good sort of blueprint for what we could aim to do. They're not super rich and they're built slowly and sensibly. And if they've lost managers, they've appointed someone who fits fits what they're looking for rather than swinging from one extreme to another like a lot of clubs do. So, yeah, I think promotion has to be the aim. And I think it's it's reasonably realistic given what we did two years ago when it was it was an unexpected promotion but it was comfortable in the end and we went up at a canter with second place by a long way and a part of maintenance we've got pretty much the same team some of the younger lads have got two years more experience a couple of the 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 other guys have been around a long time and maybe we need to think about replacing them and coming towards the end of their careers but Really, I don't see any other big threats in the championship. I think we should certainly be looking for top six at minimum.
0: All right, that's all the questions I have. Do you have anything you want to say to people or
2: anything you want to get off your chest before the end of the season's official? Uh, it probably sounds bitter at this stage, but I think the Premier League, I'm not I'm not necessarily going to miss it that much. I think there's, there's good things. I like being able to watch my team on match of the day, although... We did seem to be on last every week, no matter what happened. Um, the increased media attention has pros and cons. I mean, I've been able to do some work through what was being in the Premier League that I wouldn't have got otherwise, so I've got to be grateful for that. But also, the Premier League is just ridiculous a lot of the time. I mean, Jose Mourinho going on goals on Sunday to talk about Ashley Barnes making a, what he called a criminal tackle. It's just one of the daftest things I've ever seen. And then for him to come out months later to say that he was wrong to talk about the campaign against referees that Chelsea are apparently victims of. He just manipulates the press so much, and I, I really don't like that. I think a lot of the diving and cheating in the Premier League, yes, other leagues have it as well, but I think it's as bad in the Premier League as it is anywhere, I think that's fair to say. So, yeah, Premier League is it's somewhat nice to aim for, but it's not always that great to be in it, I don't think. And I'm quite looking forward to maybe winning some games next season. That's going to be quite nice. <laughs> also, ticket prices. Ticket prices in the Premier League are absolutely obscene. Like, they're bad for the right football these days, but they're asking for over 50 quid to watch Burnley for some games this season. It's just mental. I'm done. That's it.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us throughout the season. Uh, no we've discussed privately all. what we can now announced we will be doing some stuff with uh teams in the championship next season to get a sense of that throughout the year and and you and the guys over at no name never net have have agreed to be part of that so we have enjoyed having you on this year and absolutely can't wait to have you on again next year yep it's
2: been great i'm looking forward to seeing what next season brings
0: up next we have scott from the UK. scott what do you take from your season this year
3: Um, Huge amounts of pride, being completely honest. Um, Coming into the season, there was a lot of question marks from a lot of people about Gary Monk, about whether we'd be able to hold on to Wilfred Boney, whether Fabianski was going to be any good. Um, To be honest, I didn't share any of those doubts. It was, to me, everything just made sense. It's like, yeah, Gary Monk was technically inexperienced and all this kind of stuff, but the Swans have shown time and time again that we do things differently and and, and and that we can derive success from that and when you look at the track record of at, of Hugh Jenkins our chairman in terms of appointing bosses um, gave Brendan Rodgers a, ch- a shot when Rodgers had kind of bombed at Reading um, he was looking for a way back into the game nobody really wanted to touch him with a barge pole he came to the Swans, revolutionised it again Martinez, we gave him his first job in management, Paolo Sousa kind of tightened up the defence um, Michael Loudrop obviously want us the, the League Cup, so it's for me, it's a form and track record and, and probability almost in that it gets to the point where you've got to have faith if somebody's making the right decision so many times in a row I think uh, not to have faith is well, just quite negative I think, so the signings we made Fabianski, bringing Sigurdsson back, Jefferson Montero looked, always looked like he was going to be a quality signing um, all of our transfer business from the summer that, that that we did, that we actually sort of paid money to bring players in I don't think you could call any of our signings a dud. They've all worked out really well, um, and obviously we've broken a lot of records this season. Um, like fewest goals conceded, most points, most wins, highest Premier League finish, um, yeah, and all done with time to spare. So, so yeah, it's just been it's been a season of firsts. Um, but yeah, like if I had to do it in one word, I'd say just pride is the main thing I'd say I've taken from the season. We've shown um, Gary Mung's added sort of a physical edge to it to show that. If we get kicked by teams, we can sort of stick our chests out and deal with that as well, which we weren't able to in the past. Um, And he said himself that this season was a season of sort of leveling everything off and and finding the level and and getting back to the levels of performance and work rate and all that kind of thing. So, next season is the season of football, kind of was his hint kind of thing. So, yeah, it would be interesting to see what happens next season. I think that's what everybody's looking forward to now.
0: Yeah, You mentioned Gary Monk there. How pleased have you been with his performance this season?
3: He's just been incredible. And the the, the things that are probably not picked up so much by the national press is, I think everybody knows he's a bit of a workaholic. You can tell that from the bags under his eyes. Um, but but the, the things he's doing are very, he, he's worked under a lot of managers, like I just listed some there. And in terms of an education as a, as a manager. Like Brendan Rodgers and Roberto Martinez, um, don't ask a Liverpool fan's opinion on Brendan Rodgers right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, they're both good coaches, very, very good coaches, um, and especially so in a, in a footballing sense, in terms of playing good, attractive football. Um, and Gary Monk's been there through all of that. And from watching him this season, i have got they've got the they've got the, idea, they've got the kind of sense that Gary Monk's been watching watching these managers all these years and thinking, well, you know what? If we did this, or if we did that. And as a player, he knows what what the effect would be. If he's sitting there thinking, oh, if we did this as well, this would help me as a player. Uh, If you start writing those things down and sort of cataloging them as things you could do if you were a manager, um, he's obviously been paying attention and and learning the craft of management for a long time, I think. And just little things, like one of the first things he did was, um, I think Van Gaal did it at Manchester United as well, moved all the tables in, in the cafeteria at the training ground so they all faced inwards. One big table, everybody has to sit together. Uh, the morning's training session is on a big screen on the TV whilst they're having lunch together, so no Sky Sports News. Agents and phones are banned from the training ground. Um, but the main, like I say, the main thing for me was uh, right at the beginning of the season, he gave all the players iPads. And I think on a Monday, say the game's on a Saturday, on a Monday, stuff gets downloaded to the iPad. So if you're the left winger, you'll get a scouting report on the right back. And, and you've got certain things to do and read up on then over the course of the week in your own time away from the training ground. Um, ways that you're going to be able to go past your man and, and things, that, things that he likes to do and all this kind of stuff and promoting responsibility from the players themselves in terms of their level of performance and and also their development as well. Um, so Like I say, across the season, we've seen lots of little things like this which show that as well as being able to motivate the players and, and pick targets that are achievable, He is actually doing quite a bit of stuff behind the scenes, which I don't think you could perhaps call it revolutionary. But he's obviously very open to to modern coaching techniques and and looking to get the most out of players and and this kind of thing. So, so that's been that's the main sort of uh, thing I'd like to sort of flag up on because he's obviously done so very well. But I think the level of detail and, and attention to detail that he's put in over the course of the season. Um, it's just no surprise, really, to me that he's done so well. When you when when look at all the improvements he's made and, and the things that he's done, um, I think it, it was always likely to end up uh, deriving success. You
0: mentioned how he's improved and stuff. Which player and young player would you say uh, either improved the most or were best for you this season?
3: Um, so a first-team player, it, it's quite hard to say because there's been so many people. It's, the thing the Gary Monk sort of stressed and the things that the Swans always stress, it's all about the team and I think we had lost that a little bit before he came in um, I think there was people, not necessarily playing for themselves but I think we'd lost that sense of us against them which, I mean if you look at the best teams, Manchester United under Ferguson Chelsea under Mourinho, the best managers do that, they they, they create this us and them um, so I think I will pick one but it, it is very hard to pick out a player who's performed above what all the others just because we've had quite a few who've who've done that across the season like Ashley Williams, Fernandez, Fabianski, Key, Sigurdsson um I'd say they've all been excellent across the course of the season um probably sort of on a par with each other but I'd say if I had to pick one player who I think made the big difference I think it's been Fabianski I think for free he's just been an absolutely Mm -hmm. incredible, incredible signing um 13 clean sheets I think Man City kept a clean sheet so I think Joe Hart got the golden glove um but yeah one one clean sheet away from the golden glove playing for the swans it's just mental and and compared to michel vorm he was just so ob- obviously always going to be a trade up um like i've seen him this season Kev. Um, <laughs> yeah fabianski is definitely a trade up on vorm i think anybody who was sort of suggesting otherwise pre-season hadn't watched a lot of either goalkeeper um because yeah fabianski's not perfect and like like any like any player he's got his flaws but um, he, yeah, it just his confidence in coming for the ball, and it just gives the defense that little bit more confidence that if the ball is put into a certain area, they don't have to deal with it because you've got six foot plus Polish guy flying out both fists first. Um, I wouldn't have it any other way. Love it, like, you know. I, like as Gary Monk said himself, uh, I, I want a goalkeeper who comes for everything. If he doesn't get it one in hundred, that doesn't bother me. I, I still want him to be coming for every ball. Um, and Ashley Williams, he was speaking about that recently, saying it's, it's quite nice to have that. Um, from a Swansea keeper Because it's something they haven't had, really had in the past um, So yeah, so I'll go Fabianski for first team player And in terms of like a young player of the year um, It's hard to look past the, the kid who, who came on today at uh, Crystal Palace, Kenji Gore um, Ex-Manchester United youth uh, Son of a guy called Dean Gore He used to play for Huddersfield He's Dutch actually, Dean Gore Kev, remember him? Yeah Yeah, uh, Son of Dean Gore um, So he got under 21 player of the season this season He scored twice when the Swans beat Huddersfield To win the youth playoff um they're under-21 league competition, they won that. Um, he scored 18 goals from kind of a, a like a Scott Sinclair position, kind of left forward. Um, so I think a lot of people, myself included, had been hoping he was going to get a couple of minutes today. Uh, and he did, so, so good on him. And every time I've seen him, he, he's obviously very, very talented. So, uh, yeah, so hopefully he, he can keep that up over the summer, keep developing and, and force his way into the first team because, being completely honest, that, that's one of the positions we need to strengthen. We need a winger who scores goals. Um And if we can promote him for free without a transfer fee, then even better.
0: Yeah, you just mentioned that you might need a winger. Do you know what other positions you might be looking to fill and maybe any players that you'd be targeting for those holes?
3: Yeah, I think striker is the other main one, being completely honest, in terms of somebody who's probably actually going to play quite a bit. Um, We've been linked with Lucas Ninos quite a bit. Um, Apparently we had a £6 million bid accepted last year. Um, but I think the club said uh, Hugh Jenkins said basically we chose to go after Gomez instead um at that at that juncture because we still had Wilfred Boney. um but apparently 20 are in quite a bit of financial trouble. so I think, the upshot of it is, we'll probably get Castinius for about three and a half, four million, and that is just classic Swans. Uh, so that's the way you do it. You just, you just wait, make the bid. Go. Oh, actually, no, no, but we'll think about that for a bit. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah I, I remember yeah. we talked at the beginning of the season. We, I was like, "Oh, how's he doing?" And you're like, "Oh, we didn't actually bring uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> like, exactly.
3: Oops. Well, we like we like, we like a slow play at the Swans, you know. <laughs> so so everybody, everybody knows, like Jack Cork. I think
0: all about the long con.
3: Yeah, it took, <laughs> took about three and a half years to sign Jack Cork. I think. After the other sort of first rumors, we do like signing players who we used to play, who, be, who used to play for us, or who we've been in for in the past, and uh, and obviously no different because if he's right for the club, he's right for the club. What's uh, a year either way if he's still relatively young? Um, so, so striker that's one area like we're linked to Mitrovic, but I think that's probably a bit out a price league. Um, like I say, winger that's definitely an area we need to look at, um, and the other two you'd probably say a fullback, um, just to cover because. Jazz Richards, it looks like he's kind of viewed as not being able to make it a Premier League level for us. Um, so basically, we've got Neil Taylor and Kyle Norton. And if anything happens to those two, Angel Rangel's the backup. And being completely honest, his pace is going. So sad as it is, um, somebody to kind of force him out of the squad, really, as opposed to out of the first team. Because I think, in terms of the first team, I think Norton's got it over Rangel now. Um yeah, and then, and then goalkeeper. So there's kind of one from every every department, really: defense, goalkeeper, midfield, and attack. But um, the problem is, Fabianski's been so good, it's going to limit what goalkeeper we bring in because they they know they're not going to get any games. So, uh, so yeah, like Lucas Luk- Nordvelt, who have been linked to. He plays for Hiranveen, Swedish goalkeeper, and and Lucas Radecki as well. He's a Finnish guy who plays for Bronby. Um, they've been keeping a load of clean sheets, but I can't say I've seen him play. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, they're both called Lucas, and the last time we signed a goalkeeper <laughs> called Lucas, it so worked, worked out alright, so uh, yeah, stick to type. But yeah, like I said, I think the main ones, though, are sort of striker and winger, because I think those are the players who'd be looking to get in the team the most out, out of any signings we make, because um, I think in the other positions it's more backup as opposed to any kind of burning desire to, to, to improve the first 11.
0: Alright, what do you think your, your goals and targets will be for next season, where do you think you'll probably end up in the table?
3: Um, I like think I said on the beginning of the season on here, as long as we don't get relegated, I don't really care. It's all irrelevant. <laughs> it's just the, the amount of money you get for finishing, like, well, even for finishing bottom. But as long as you stay up, the amount of money that you get to a club like the Swans, yeah, I'll, I'll finish 17th, whatever it is that doesn't bother me. But in, But in reality, um... I keep banging on about this, but we're, keep, we're still doing it. So I think it's still entirely appropriate. The Swans at the moment are spending a big, big proportion of their revenue on infrastructure. So they're trying to get to category one status for the academy. So so they're still building there. They've had like two applications, planning applications go through now the last couple of weeks. Uh, adding another floor to the training facilities, uh, doing a barn, which is one of the prerequisites for the category one academy status. Um, so... While we're doing all of this, we're behind the other clubs, obviously, because we're playing catch up. So, I mean, obviously, your, your, your top four clubs—they're they're all propped up by money, most of them. But, but in general, um, if you get a hundred million from the Premier League, if we're spending fifty million of that on buying the stadium, expanding the stadium, doing the training facilities, clubs like Newcastle don't have to do that. Clubs like, I'd imagine, West Brom and Leicester and. Um, Crystal Palace, you know, all these clubs that in theory are around a similar size to us have been more established clubs for quite some time. And as such, they've had a more a bigger revenue stream for the last five, ten years, while while the Premier League's been about. So they're a couple of years ahead. So basically my point is, until we've finished playing catch up off the field, and until we're in a position where the percentage of our revenue um, that's going towards transfers and improving the squad is on a par with the rest of the league, just staying up has to be the main thing. Anything above that is just brilliant. But the progress right now is coming off the field, and that'll set us up for the long term. So, yeah, yeah, I'd like to finish in the Champions League spots. I'd like to win the league. It'd be brilliant. But as long as we're in a position to continue investing in the club behind the scenes and improving the academy setup so we can get our own players coming through, um, that's by far the most important thing for me. So, yeah, just maintain Premier League status, don't change the philosophy, keep pumping money into the club. Because if we keep, you know, if we're, if we're still in the Premier League in five years, we're going to be completely spent out on facilities. There's going to be nothing to spend money on. Um, and then we'll be at a point where it's like, well, we've been managing perfectly fine for the last 10 years. Um, and now we've basically got double the amount of money to play with every year. And that's the point where I'll start getting really excited then. Mm. <laughs> because... because that's the point where you can start throwing a bit of money around then, because you know that if everything goes completely tits up, it doesn't really matter because you can still produce your own players, you still got the academy, you still own the stadium, you've still got an increased fan base that you picked up through continued success um so yeah so i I just i, I guess my point is I just think there needs to be a couple more years' patience from swansea fans I think I, I i think to to hope for any kind of continued improvement on the field now. I think you're kind of setting yourself up for a fall perhaps because. Until we do these things, until we put ourselves in a position where we can start competing in the transfer market, uh, and as a club as well by having the best, by having um, facilities that are as good as all the big clubs. Once we're in that position, then we're in a position where we can actually start thinking about competing with some of these top seven clubs. But until then, it's like fighting with one hand because we're still spending on catch up. So, so to be to do to be doing as well as we are is just it's just phenomenal and. Um, just more of the same, really. Like I say, same philosophy, same spending plans. Keep doing it our way and uh, yeah, see what happens.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, throughout the season. It's been an absolute pleasure, and we look forward
3: to working with you next year. Yeah, me too, buddy. All the best.
0: Next up, we have Sean. Wow. Before I do this, what, what all are your plugs? Because I'm leading people in with their stuff.
4: So you're at clariton Blue. Clareton, Hugh, West Ham, Till I Die, and more than just the podcast of my three main uh, outlets. West Ham Till I Die. West Ham Till I Die, Clareton Hugh, and more than just a podcast. With two O's. (laughs) With two O's.
0: Next, we have Sean Whetstone, who does many things, including uh, editing for and Hugh, West Ham Till I Die, and he's on more than just a podcast. That's more with two O's, talking all things West Ham. Sean, what do you make of this season?
4: Uh, It was was a season of two halves, to use an old cliche. Um, You know, the 8th of December, we were third. I'm going to say that again. We were third in the Premier League, Mm. very briefly. Uh, But on Boxing Day, we were fourth. And I'm going to repeat that again. Yes, fourth in the Champions League uh, position. Uh, Boxing Day, Christmas Day. um, And it all went wrong, didn't it? Um, You know, I think we... In in the 20 games after this year, um, we've won two. You can say the wheels fell off our wagon (laughs) somewhat. I know we we conceded late. Uh, People found us out. Uh, We got injuries. Uh, We were devoid of tactics. We had no plan B. I mean, you can say all those things. I mean, it's all common knowledge now. But um, apparently there was a stat that uh, anyone who on Christmas Day is in the top four would finish in the top four, like 90% of people who did it. So, of course, we had to be the anomaly, uh, along with two others, I think, that have, have never done that. Have, have, uh, Southampton or another one that's done it, mm. I think the other one, who, who, who mucked it up, really. Um, a lot of people will say we're in a fake position and we were, you know, we were punching above our weight before Christmas. And the natural order was restored um, by us finishing 12th or, or mid-table. Um, but you now after finishing 13th last year, which was quite poor for us, um, finishing 10th of the year before that on our first season back to the Premier League, um, it was a bit disappointing to finish 12th. Um, but who knows? We could be in Europe anyway, because we find out in about five or six days' time whether we're in the Europa League via the fair play um,
0: yeah, uh, you mentioned your struggles because of that. You've uh, relieved Sam Allardyce or Sam Allardyce, as you once claimed, uh, of his duty as manager for West Ham Football Club. Uh, who do you think is, is in the running to fill that spot?
4: Well, first, first of all, I think Sam did quite a, a good job. You know, he divided the fans and that was his real problem. His ego he thought he was bigger than the club. That's why he had to go in the end. Um, he knew, he was an experienced manager and knew what he wanted to do, you know, but he did what was asked of him. He got us up in the first time of asking and, you know, he got us, he kept us in the Premier League. But we need to move on. Um, he said the time was right. Um, the fans were not behind him anymore and, and I think it's a good time to move on. Um, you know, I'm sure you've seen all the names. Um, I, my sources tell me that that um, Rafa Benitez did agree uh, a bumper deal with us um, and was due to be announced on Tuesday after the Premier League ended but uh, Real Madrid came in for him and he decided to renege on a, on a verbal deal we had with us and go off to Real Madrid. Can you imagine that? I can't believe it. The nerve. Uh, uh, obviously, the odds on favourite. in fact, Betting was suspended for a little while, is his former West Ham uh, player uh, who went to Everton uh, Slaven Bilic. Um, who, who's going to be relieved of his job in, in Turkey um, at the end of the season. Uh, he wants a job. And um, who knows? I, I He's an odds-on favourite. I give him about a four-to-one chance at the moment. He's not the only um, the person up for the job. Jurgen Klopp uh, is someone else we want. Uh, we did want David Moyes, and he was talking to us, but uh, he's playing a bit hard to get at the moment. Um, and this new guy, I don't know a lot about him, Emery, who's who's in Spain. He's supposed to be the new Jose Mourinho. Um, he's, I think he's with Sevilla, and he he was with um, who was he with? I'm trying to remember now. Um, Spartak Moscow, uh, um, and there was another one he was with. But he he's second favourite now. Um, there are names like um, Steve McLaren being mentioned. Um, I'm told he will not be coming to the club, nor will um, Harry Redknapp, so don't waste your money there, Um, and nor will um, people like um, Laudrup, who who basically counted themselves out. I mean, you never can, when people count themselves out, it never really means anything because, you know, they all say (laughs) money talks at the end of the day. (laughs) So we've got no hurry to announce, you know, the, the players are on holiday. We've got a week or two until we find out whether we're in Europe. So we need to call players back probably about the second week of June. So we've probably got about three weeks before we need to announce, before the, the, the players are called back to, to train. Um, and I don't think we would be in a hurry to announce it in the next few days. So, yeah, watch this space. Um, as I say, uh, it would have been nice, Rafa Benitez. I, I personally prefer um, David Moyes, actually. Mm. But I think Slavin Village will be a good um, a manager and he will reunite the fans. An interesting one for you, Kev, was, uh, of course, they rattled out AVB as a <laughs> possible, um, But also some exciting ones, like um, Eddie Howe from Bournemouth has been linked with us. Um, as, but I don't, I don't know why he would leave Bournemouth. And the Brentford manager, um, Mark, I can't remember his name, second name, but uh, uh, the Brentford manager... But I think it's too soon. You need experience. You need someone who who's, can handle the pressure. And I think taking a chance on a new name just, just wouldn't work for West Ham. We're going on to bigger and better things. Um, obviously, the Olympic Stadium is just around the corner. And we need a, a manager of the stature that's going to uh, take the club and be a, a far bigger club than Spurs, obviously.
0: <laughs> uh, you're, you're doing the Olympic move not this year but the following?
4: Yeah, yeah. We've got This is the last... Year at the bowling ground, as we call it, um, Upton Park, to you lot, and uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a good season. So I think we want a, a big name manager uh, that will bring the players together and, and and see how we go. Alex Song won't be part of that though; he, he's off, um, apparently linked with Chelsea and Man City because he's regarded as homegrown. Um, oh, <laughs> he's yeah. a homegrown player with the rules. So we'll we, we'll see what happens there, but he. He, you know, we were paying him seventy-five pounds a week, which is a lot for West Ham. And also, he, his form tailed off in the second. He's, he's quite high maintenance, if I'm honest with you. Uh, and I think we can do a lot better with the money. And uh, Barcelona wanted quite a large fee uh, to sign him. And uh, I think we can do better for our money, personally. It's great having him there, and he was good in the first half of the season. But fair play to him. He actually wrote something for the official website this week where he actually said, and you don't get this very often from professional players, he said, goodbye and sorry. Sorry for not doing better in the second half of the season. And you don't get people saying sorry enough. So yeah. fair play to, to Mr. Song. All
0: right, you just mentioned a couple of players that might be heading out, managers heading out, options coming in. Yeah. What kind of players are you looking at that that you think other than Song might be well, departing and do you have any specific holes that you need to fill and what players do you think might fill them?
4: So we definitely need uh, a goalkeeper because Jacek is like 74. Um, so he's <laughs> constantly running out in a few days' time. You know, he's, he's a good guy, but he was a Sam guy. Now, um, the rumour is that we are going to sign Daniel Bentley from Southend. I don't know if you watched the uh, playoff final of League mm. Two, um, but uh, he was the hero of the hour, the goalkeeper for Southend United, who, who saved a penalty and got them promoted. Um, so he's apparently on the radar, but we are looking for a goalkeeper. Um, obviously, we need another striker as well. So um, Because uh, Carlton Cole is signing leaving, I'm told he he will leave and won't come back this time. He could be going to the MLS. He, he was on uh, Sky the other week, talked on the Fantasy Football Club program, saying that he would be interested in uh, offers from abroad or dropping to the Championship. And you know, MLS would interest him. So you never know. You might see a Carlton Cole coming to a club near you. <laughs> but yeah, going on, we we need a striker. We need a, a goalkeeper. Uh, and we need someone to sort of replace what, what Alex Song does um so the chairman has said we've got we're hoping to bring five players in in different positions over the um over the summer so that that's we've got five going out so we'll have five coming in to uh to you know balance the wage bill basically
0: uh, any news on what'll happen to to a couple of your talented players that are out on loan
4: um well, we've we got any talented players out on loan. I mean, <laughs> we've got Maiga out. Um, Mets. I don't know if you know about Mets. So in in uh, League One in, in France, uh, Mets got relegated. So um, the Afro Sacco, who came from Mets, uh, got them promoted by scoring twenty goals for Mets last year. And obviously, he came to us and was immense, scoring twelve goals before he got injured for us this season. And we sent Maega the other way. Um, and although he has scored some goals, I think four or five, um, I'm not saying he got them relegated, but they have been relegated. So he'd be coming back to us, and it would be interesting if the new manager will use Maega in the last year of his contract. And, of course, the other one is, is uh, Mauro Zerati. Um, obviously, didn't get on with a manager. Sent him out on loan to QPRs, cost them an absolute fortune. They've been paying 40 grand a week for him. Uh, he got fined recently for for getting the hump and, and going able after he uh, found out he wasn't in the team uh, at Old Trafford, I think, and got fined two weeks' wages, 80 grand. Um, and he's coming back too because <laughs> he's on a three year contract. So um, it will be interesting. They're, they're two of our more higher profile on loan players. Um, that are coming back and, and we'll see what, what the new manager makes of them and what they want to do with, with, with those players.
0: All right, and going from players you'd be interested in to players already at the club, who would you say were West Ham's player and young player of the season?
4: Well, I mean, the person who stands out completely is uh, Alan Cresswell. Um, he won three awards, at our players' awards recently. He won Hammer of the Year, which is a big, fit deal for us. He won Players' Player of the Year, uh, obviously chosen by the players. Um, and He won Signing of the Year. So this this kid, um, you know, came from Ipswich. We always talk about why people don't make, you know, often people don't step up from the Championship that much. But you know, three point seven five million from Ipswich, he's um, taken to the Premier League. Like he owns it. He's one of the best left backs in the country. He's been linked with every big name and every big club there is out there. Um, And he's immense, you know. He's 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 just everything that's great about the English game. Um, And he's been the standout player of the year for me. Um, You know, don't get me wrong, Sacco's done a good job as well, and Coyote, that, you know, we've got some good signings. um, But, but, for me, Aaron Cresswell has come in an immense job. And young hammer of the year, well, of course, it's got to be, uh, you know, um, Rhys Burke, who at the age of 18 has deputised um, for our centre-backs in the last, you know, he played today as well in the last four games he's had to deputise after we, you know, had James Collins and, and Tompkins injured um, in, in our centre uh, and Reid and uh, the young boy, there's not many times nowadays, you know, the days of Michael alone coming in at 16, 17 are long gone, you know, managers won't take the risk, but, you know, there's this this lad, you know, uh, coming in and, and showing he, he, can, um, he can mix it with the best of them, so, yeah, um, it's given us faith, we've released a lot of people from our academy this year, we're having a big shake-up, you know, we got rid of the manager and, of, of the academy, uh, we've got a new guy in called Terry Wesley, um, and he's really shaking things up. We're really we've let a lot of players go, you know, over twenty, and we're sort of clearing out the whole place and starting again. But people like Reece Burke, Reece Oxford, um, are going to be the future um, of this club, and I think they're going to make um, West Ham youth to be reckoned again. You know, the days of the Frank Lampards, the Joe Coles, the Michael Carricks, the Rio Ferdinand's. I think our next crop, those crops will come again. You know, in the, in the next few years. So I'm I'm really excited about it.
0: Yeah, and heading into uh, the new season, the 2015-2016 season, what do you think the objectives will be for your new manager?
4: I just I I don't even I haven't I have just got over the last season. Um, I haven't even <laughs> start thinking about next. Season. You only got
0: 75 days.
4: Oh, I know, I know, it just comes so fast again, doesn't it? I mean I mean, number one has got to be, and I hate to say this because it sounds so non-ambitious, but number one has got to be Premier League survival. You know, in and, and the season we go into um, the new stadium we can't go into the Olympic Stadium in the Championship. That would just be so embarrassing. Um, you know, so Premier League survival has got to be you know, we can't let Europa League, defend uh, distract us, and I'm I'm told that we will use people returning from injury and youth team people in the early rounds. Europa, we're not going to put our first team out in Europa and go all out and that let that derail our, our season. But we've got to do better, you know. We we want a new, we want to get younger players. We want to start moving up the table. You know, we've we've got. Um, We were 12th this year, we were 13th the year before, we're 10th the year before that in our three years back now in the Premier League and I I guess we've got to get better than than 10th. Um, You know, it's a bit unrealistic, as I say, we we peaked too early when we got 4th and 3rd just before Christmas, you know, top 8 is achievable I think, you know, I think where we should be aiming is 9th, 8th, 7th, that is achievable. Even possibly six. Um, breaking in beyond the six I think is, is too far for us to do right now. Um, but that, that's what the future holds once we get the revenue from the Olympic Stadium and more investment and, and so on and so forth, then then who knows? Then we, we can break in, but everyone's trying to do that, aren't they? There's only so many teams that can be a top six club. Um, but I, I would say 9 or better should be our target um, for next year. Um, a, a nice Europa um, run, you never know. Uh, win of Europa does get a Champions League place, doesn't it, Kev? Sorry,
0: uh, yeah, yeah, if you win it, but we have yeah, failed to do okay. so.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so we win Europa, uh, get a Champions League place, and then win the Champions League. No, seriously, um, a nice yeah, nice Europa win, get a bit of money, um, and uh, a nice cup run. You know, it would really be nice, as well as doing a, um, to do a cup run and, and end up in the, at Wembley in a final, either in the League Cup or the FA Cup. The FA Cup has got the magic for us. Um, but, but going back to it, you know, it's got to be Premier League survival, number one, uh, top nine finish, is, is number two target.
0: All right. Well, uh, uh, Sean, it was an absolute pleasure having you on this season, and, and we look forward to talking to you again next.
4: Yeah, I look forward to it too. Um, only one thing to say, and that's come on, you irons.
0: And with that, we are out of time. I'd like to thank Dan, Jamie, Scott, and Sean for joining us today. We will be releasing more team reviews over the next few days, so keep your eyes out for that. And in the meantime, we had a great time as always, and hope you keep listening.
4: Selling a little.